With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage of Good afternoon, everybody. 
It's a little after 5, October 17th, 2018, and uh, things aren't what they appear to be in this place. We have so many people. I'm watching ad after ad just celebrating another thing got legalized. And the only people that I know that are not celebrating the most recent addition to legalization, meaning the nation of Canada, uh, are the people that are actually there and the people that are dealing with what that means. And we're going to talk about that today. Um, my name is Joe Grumbine, and I am the CEO and founder of a little group that we call the Human Solution International. And this is an organization that's grassroots, meaning we don't have any major sponsors. We have a lot of little sponsors, but we don't have any major corporations telling us um, you know, we like what you're doing, so we're going to help you out. And in exchange, um, you know, well, you might, we might need to ask from you a bit of a favor one day. We don't have any of that. Uh, not one of our members, staff, leadership, uh, even myself or any of us get paid. It's all volunteer. Um I have never known a group of people that has been more giving and more caring and more real than this organization. Um, and we are international. Um, we have members down in Mexico. We have members in Canada. Um, we have had members in Australia, New Zealand, Japan, uh, Great Britain. I think Ireland, not positive on Ireland, I don't remember, but I know on the island we did have we did have a couple of folks. Um, we're a civil rights organization. We are not a pot organization. We are not a cannabis organization. We love cannabis. We love human rights even better. The civil rights, the human rights, the basic rights that each and every one of us has, or at least should have, simply because we are simply because we are human, human beings. And we choose, as human beings, to be a part of the solution, the world solution, the human condition solution, the solution, the big, the big capital letter solution. And that's what we've all chosen to do. And we've all gathered together from various parts of the world and it changes from week to week, month to month, year to year. But we've gathered together in such a way that says we have something in common. And I talk a lot about certain topics, but the reality is this is all about freedom and it's all about liberty. And that's what it boils down to. And when I hear people talk about legalization, and they're not speaking generally from a position of intimate knowledge. They're speaking from a position of limited knowledge or even ignorance. And what that means is that we've been 
first time back in the 30s when a few entities and a, and a couple of individuals uh, were threatened by this plant and they decided that it was in their best interest to plant the seeds of fear and doubt and, uh, in, in, in Americans and uh, it passed right on into law at one point. And, you know, at the time that we had ended alcohol prohibition, there was all these revenueers and all these um, Bureau of Alcohol Enforcement or whatever the hell they were called that didn't have jobs. It turned out to be a perfect match. Guess what? The precursor to the DEA was formed. People don't talk about that. They don't talk about why cannabis has been prohibited and made to be illegal. And, you know, we're taught from some point of our lives that you change things by changing the law. And I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to that in any way. But what I've seen and what I've seen historically is that just because a law changes doesn't mean that things change. You have law enforcement officials that are trained from the very beginning that drugs are bad, pots of drugs, were dopers. It's what they're trained. Believe it or not, like it or not, that's how it is. I've had ex-law enforcement people on the show before explaining it. <clears throat> I've been raided by them. I've been arrested by them many times. I've seen it in their eyes. I've heard it from their mouths. My wife was told that we all should be put down, those of us that support this, put down like animals. And I'm not saying that every cop thinks this. I'm not saying that every cop buys into this. Plenty of cops are making money right now off of the so-called legal market. But there's a there's a there's a an element I'm not getting the right word. I'm usually pretty good with words, but I'm not getting the right word. There's a there's an institution that's not the right word either, but there's an institution of uh disdain for people that support the cannabis plant. It's just the way it is. It's the way it is until we change it. And, yes, there's change happening. I'm not saying there's not. I, I, I'm proud of everybody that's done anything. Don't get me wrong. I get it all day long. And the little things count. Of course they do. Every little thing counts. But at the end of the day, my question to you is what do we want? You know, when we go out to the courthouse and we're fighting for a specific purpose, we yell at the top of our lungs, what do we want? Justice. When do we want it? Now. But we're usually speaking as a point of reference to a particular individual and a particular injustice. How many of us from minute to minute, day to day, feel injustice? We live pretty good lives, generally speaking. I mean, I'm not saying everybody, but, you know, we live in America. We have land of opportunity, and it's true. Put yourself in any other place and see how you do. won't be so nice, generally speaking. So the point that I'm making is, what do we want? You know, we say justice, but, again, 
How many of us are affected by injustice on a daily basis? Some more than others, I can assure you. But um, we're obviously not marching in the streets, people. We're not upset about any goddamn thing. We're sitting here going, woo, Canada legalized it, yay. Go, everybody. And I want to ask you all a question. And I try to think of different ways to say this because, you know, Patch Adams said something that I, you know, will repeat and repeat and repeat, that we have to, if we want to make a difference in the world, we have to find the language that we can reach everybody to touch them, to see what we see and feel what we feel about changing the injustices of the world. We are creatures of emotion. What does it take to touch your emotions? If I knew that, I would be doing it. So I try different things. I I believe that, you know, if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and it doesn't work, then by some definition you're a little nutty. And we're all a little nutty. I'm cool with that. But I don't want to be nutty and ineffective. And I know that each time I get on this show, I take time off to volunteer two hours of my day. And everybody else that helps make the show does the same, and everybody that sits and listens to the show does the same. We've all set aside something to say, hey, there's something here that's worth doing. And hopefully some of it's me, and some of it's you, and some of it's all the people that get on and talk, and all the people that listen, and all the people that tell other people about this. And that's what makes a show like this important. But I I say this. Let's just say for shits and giggles that you're walking down the road and you kick a little, I don't know, piece of trash and it clinks on your boot. And you reach down and you pick this thing up and you look at it and it's a box. It's an old metal box. And it looks kind of interesting. There's some weird marks on it and so forth. And it looks like there used to be some stones and a handle and you take and you rub it on your shirt a little bit and you look at it and it shines up pretty nice and you look at your reflection in it and all of a sudden, poof, top pops off the box, smoke comes out. Yep, you know it. It's a genie. I am the genie of the box. You are my master today and I am here to grant you three wishes. And I want you to think for a second, what are you wishing for? And I'd be willing to wager. I've been known to wager before. I'm likely going to wager again someday. But I would be willing to wager that not one of us, not a single one of us, would wish for a plant that any and all of us could grow that brings great benefit and pleasure to many, many, many people would be only available to certain people that had money and means and were willing to go through god-awful regulations, and we would wish to be taxed extraordinarily for this, and that it would be limited to 
very strict regulations that we couldn't transfer it from state to state or, or ship it or send it or keep it or sell it or whatever. I bet you not one of us would wish for that. And yet, every single law that we pass, without any exception, has these horrible restrictions to it. And we celebrate it as though we've accomplished a victory. And I have to think to myself, what is it about us that keeps us from wanting the real prize? Are we not worth it? Are we not able to handle it, the great power of possessing this plant? I don't know the answer to it. I wonder all the time, every time I see a shirt that says legalize it, every time I see another article about somebody celebrating legalization, seeing some big company that is making millions and spending millions and not doing anything to end prohibition. In fact, as I've said before, it goes quite the opposite. These companies are going out of their way to take out companies that haven't gone through that. They've become your enemy. Imagine this. Here in California, you're allowed to grow, I don't know, six plants, I think it is. All right? So right now, as we speak, and I happen to know a few people that are growers that are illegal, and I support the hell out of them. And I got a call from one guy yesterday. I've been working with him since I had a dispensary way back when. And he used to come bring his flowers to my shop, and, you know, he was a good guy. We did business together. He was reasonable and fair, and he allowed me to be reasonable and fair with my clients. And uh, he's up in Northern California looking to harvest right now. And he said yesterday the camp helicopter was sitting 50 feet above his garden for a couple of minutes. And then they went over to the next garden, the next garden, the next garden. And he was up till 4.30 in the morning cutting everything he had down. Some of it a little early, but he cut it, drug it down the hill, and at least got it to a safe place. Now, CAMP is a federal agency. The feds are going ape shit right now, and nobody's talking about it. There's articles, a few, if you look for them. If you have the right uh, search words, you'll find some articles. But as we talk about it, the news isn't the news. The news is very agenda-driven, and if you like a particular agenda, you can probably find something that will speak your language. But at the end of the day, there are federal raids occurring all the time. There's, I, I just posted three or four articles. One was... Um, Colorado, one was California, um, and I forget the other one, but it, it's happening. So what happens when we legalize it is the states have access to some tax dollars. And as you know, states love tax dollars a lot. And it gives them motivation and justification, for God's sake. They weren't following the law. All they had to do was follow the law. 
and they get taken out. Maybe they get charged, maybe they don't. We don't know the answer to that. They get their property stolen. They get um, probably some things damaged, destroyed. Probably some people are getting arrested and some people are getting charged. In Canada, they've actually created new crimes based off of legalization. Crimes that didn't exist before legalization now do. And they're directly related to cannabis and doing it right. So I'm going to impart one last thought. I'm blathering on a little long right now, and Craig's going to call in any minute. But imagine this. How many of us have herb gardens? Grow a little oregano, sprinkle on your spaghetti sauce, uh, grow a little thyme, a little rosemary, maybe a little mint, make a little tea, a little lemon balm, chamomile. Each and every one of these plants has a value. They're food, they're a spice, they're an herb that can be used medicinally. And imagine if one of these plants or several of them in some way, shape, or form began to threaten a major corporation, a big player in some industry. wouldn't matter what industry. William Randolph Hearst was in the paper industry and the and the news industry. What does that have anything to do with, with pot? Well, it did because mm-hmm. the hemp fibers were stronger than the tree wood fibers that turned out it threatened him. And so he launched an assault. Well, what if, for whatever reason, there's some other correlation like this? And all of a sudden, chamomile is found to be a cure for cancer or whatever it is. Um, there's Craig. freedom 
rather than, you know, this whole tax and regulate model, even though I understand the insurmountable uh, obstacle we have in front of us to try to get freedom without having to pay for it. <laughs> well, hopefully, I mean, uh, Canada learned a whole lot from uh, Let's call it from a federal prison. So hopefully we can learn a whole lot from Canada. <laughs> there you go. Well, hopefully, actually, more people will just learn more from Uruguay because I think the way they did it had a whole lot less of the of the nonsense. They just kind of let their people have it a whole lot more than than any of these other places. But it's a different way of thinking down there. Well, today they asked me to work overtime again tonight, but at least they made it optional. <laughs> oh, right. Good, good, good. Yeah. You, I, I mean, told the truth. Yes. I told the truth. I told them I wanted to make a phone call, and I wanted to tell people how cold we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. And so... Well, the prisoners here the, the prisoners here are angry. It's, it's, it's gotten pretty chilly here. It's in the 50s during the day and in the 30s at night, and there's still no heat in the prison. So oh, no. It's a long night today. <laughs> and they still took but away... They're saying that they will turn the heat on next month. Oh, next month. All right. Yeah, that that's that's awfully, uh, awfully, um, well, generous awfully of American them. Awfully American of them. Yeah, awfully American of them. Right. Oh, man. And and you guys are still on a on a minimum item uh, in possession. I remember uh, about a year ago or so, you you had to trim down your your yes. possessions. Yes, and they came through about. Well, less than a week ago. And anything you had in your cell that was your personal property and it was not in your lockers, they just seized it and took it. So a lot of people lost, you know, sweat clothes. A lot of people had just come in from the store and they say, get out, we want to shake down, which means search the, the unit. So they sat down what they bought at the store on their bunk and they went outside and they took the bag of... <laughs> Oh no! Oh, jeez. Logic isn't their their strong <laughs> strong suit, I don't think. <laughs> well, I, uh, what I what I don't understand is is why do they want to come and work in here when I mean the normal temperatures during the day are, you know, somewhere around fifty degrees in the buildings. I mean. I mean, they're all bundled up as well, and they can go out and buy clothes and bundle up. But uh, why would, I mean, why would they, why wouldn't they stand up and say, no, you need to turn the heat on? Yeah, you know, I I mean, like I said, I think it has to do with, the, you know, the training, the puppy squishing and all the fun stuff that they have to do. There's there's a, there's a diabolical element to most of these folks. I mean, and I wish I, you know, I wish I was just joking, but, you know, when you think about the things they do and you think about what would motivate somebody to behave that way, you know, I, I understand, you know, prison's a prison. It's, it's, it's jail, not Yale. But at the end of the day, there's basic, you know, basic human rights, basic dignity you know, if you treat people like animals for long enough, they start acting like animals. And I think that, unfortunately, these guys, uh, or too many of them anyways, are are just, uh, they're not better. They're, 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 
they take some joy in in this kind of behavior. I mean, they they just teach inmates to dislike people. <laughs> I mean, it's right. It just seems counterproductive. I mean, you, you're here. You would think to, that the goal would be to teach these people not to reoffend. That that would be their their ultimate goal. That they're in prison to learn not to, you know, break the law anymore. But instead, they're they put them in such a situation where they, you know, they have to scratch to survive in the prison even. So when they hit the street, you know, that's the only thing they know, and they, they, that's why about two thirds of them, you know, get locked back up again and within three years. Well, I've known over the years a lot of people that have been locked up for one thing or another at one time or another, and I don't know any of them that really ever came back better than they left. And and it might be, you know, damaged physically or mentally. It might mean... Uh, you know, changed in a darker way, but I just don't know of anybody, you know, who was truly rehabilitated in the sense of they went in a bad person and came out a better person. Uh, I mean, most of the people that I know that have done jail or prison time is because of nonviolent offenses, so I'm, I'm dealing with a different sect of people than some folks are in prison, but that being said, that's not what they're supposed to be there for, so what the hell? But the only people that I see that, you know, can get some benefit, really, out of the prison is the the hopeless drug addicts. So, at least in prison, they, they can't get as much drugs, so right. it slows them down some. <laughs> well, and, you know, I've heard of a few stories of some violent criminals that had some kind of a epiphany or, or you know... A, a real change of heart somehow, some way, but it's certainly not the norm, and it certainly isn't enough to model a system by, that's for sure. No, no, that, that's why I think the system fails, is that there's, there's no planning, there, there's no thought in it. Now, now, that's why a lot of the, the state systems in the United States over the last 10 years or so have really restructured their, their you know, imprisonment policies and what they do in the prisons and that. And they've really reduced recidivism rates. They've reduced their prison populations. We went from uh, right at 2.6 million prisoners in the United States 10 years ago, and right now we're at 2 million prisoners. So, I mean, it's been a significant drop, you know, especially in the state systems. The federal system has dropped a little bit here in the last three or four years, but... Uh, I mean, you're seeing that drop in the states because many of the states are trying to, to you know, be smart about their criminal justice system. Well, in California, um, I, I can't necessarily agree with that. In California, they passed a law, uh, I don't know, many years ago, actually, when I was locked up, that, that AB 109 was part of the, the, the dialogue. And what it meant was that the prisons were just overcrowded and so what they did was they were just letting them go. Uh, you know, they were given uber-reduced sentences, and then they were taking anybody that had a state sentence for, I don't know what it was, 36 months or less, and they were putting them in the county jail system. So it was, you know, I don't think they consider county jail as part of the prison system. 
even though, you know, for all intents and purposes it is. Um, I I think, at least in California, there were some definitely some skewed numbers. Um, but at the end of the day, you're right. You know, it's funny the way that uh, the media reports things, and the truth is um, there's less violence in the world today than there ever has been at any point in history. You know, the wars, the wars are less violent. There's less wars. There's less poverty. There's less all the bad stuff there's less of, and that never gets reported on. And again, we have to look at, you know, why does the United States then have the highest percentage of people incarcerated? The one often cited statistic is the United States holds 5% of the world's uh, population, yet 25% of the world's prisoner population. And I mean, that's a terrible statistic if you... You know, if you really think about it. Yeah, it's a terrible criminal and that mean of a society. (laughs) But it's an excellent way to oppress a a a a group of people, you know. It's a it's an excellent way to uh to keep your thumb on on a class of people. Generally speaking, if you look at the at the whole cross section of prisoners, you don't see a huge amount of them of people that are in the upper I don't know, even 50% of the income bracket, and you know, it's it's there's a lot a lot going on. It's easier to throw some people in prison than others, and it's certainly easier to keep them there. And you know, it's it's easier to uh, control a lot of people. And the thing that people don't realize is, once somebody goes into prison, it doesn't matter if you get out. Your life has changed from there on out. You're 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 reduced in your mobility, generally speaking. I mean, anybody who has a felony on their record has a different life than anybody who doesn't have a felony on their record. I agree, I agree. I would like to see more of the system where, you know, the people are out in the street and uh, just be very, very carefully monitored, make sure that they keep a job, that they keep sober, that they keep, you know, um, out of the way of the police, and, and that's really where, you know, you probably have hope of rehabilitating people, but just locking them away with a whole lot of violent people where, you know, like we're explaining here, where they're, uh, they have to take cold showers, where the buildings aren't heated, where, you know. This call is from a federal prison. A bunch of things that you wouldn't figure as part of the American prison system, you know. I mean, what does that do for the people? It just makes them angry, you know, generally. Angry at, you know, the people that aren't locked up here. Angry at the law enforcement people that put them here. It just, you know, aggravates an already bad system. Well, it definitely brings out the worst in folks when you when when you don't give people their basic, uh, basic needs. And... Um, you know, it's. I, I I think you're totally right. When I was talking to George Martorano before he got out, talking to him from prison, he had this idea, and he was just talking about a small group of prisoners that were the elderly prisoners. And he said, you know, if we were just to let the ones that are in the hospital beds that are over a certain age that are never gonna, they're never gonna walk again. They're never gonna, you know, they 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 couldn't hurt somebody if they wanted to. Let them out. Let them let them spend the rest of their days at home, and just the the, the financial burden that that would relieve off of the system would be phenomenal. And you know, I mean, what what do you need to to keep a 
90-year-old guy, um, you know, who's crippled uh, for whatever he did. You know, what's he going to do at this point, you know? And, and he's been in there for however many years. Hell, at one point you can say, you know what, you, 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 did, your, you did your time. But we don't think that way. It's all institutional. It's all the formula. It's, it, 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 there's not a – the only subjectivity to it is a negative subjectivity. Oh, I'm sorry, man. It's already your first beep. Yes, it was, and just to expound on that, you can't believe how many people go up and down the corridors here using walkers and all that because they've been in prison so long, you know, that with substandard, you know, a diet, a substandard medical care and that, they're, they're just 70, 80 years old and in a bad way. And like you say, you know, why are they here? Why are the Americans paying for them to be here? You know, let's look at the compassionate release system that you know, set up but almost never utilized. And I, I know that, you know, that's something that we ought to look at, especially for the elderly prisoners that really are incapable of hurting anyone. I couldn't agree more. Well, I uh, hopefully you're not going to be doing overtime next week and uh, we'll be able to pick this up where we left it off. I'll be there. I'll be there. There it goes. Hey, that's the closest Craig got to a an actual sign off in a while. Usually we cut him off in, or he gets cut off in um, in mid sentence. So um, I want to finish that thought I got started. I got a bunch of folks on the line, and we got a guest. Um, we're going to talk about the upcoming midterm elections and and all of that as well. But I was getting into the whole chamomile idea. You know. How many of us grow our own herbs, whatever they're for, for flavoring food or for making medicinal preparations or for making a tea or whatever, some purpose? What's an herb, a useful plant of any kind? And, and again, what if, again, one of these plants were to, in some way, shape, or form, threaten some major corporate entity? And they were to launch a campaign of fear and um, mistrust, perceived danger over this plant. So much so, and especially now that we have actually, um, you know, a way to bring information to the masses, much more so than there used to be. And so the fear, the media is all about the fear, right? I mean, oh, what's the next plague? What's the next disaster? Stormwatch, 2018, whatever it is, um, our media is all about preying on our fears. Well, what if the war was began to be on chamomile or whatever? You just you know pick your substance. It's not about that. It's about the concept. And all of a sudden, they came up with some law that was passed that put this substance into our Controlled Substances Act. Maybe put it up to a Schedule 5. Well, now all of a sudden you couldn't have that chamomile unless it went through FDA approval. Anybody ever try that? Get a product to go through FDA approval? No? Probably not, huh? You know why? Because it's really expensive, really complicated, and most people won't do it. The big companies are the only ones that really do that. 
they've got the pockets to do it. They know how to do it. They've got, you know, they basically they wrote the program. Who would want that? Who would want that? All of a sudden, you have to buy your chamomile at a grocery or at a at a drugstore, um, and it has to be certified. It has it has to have come from an FDA certified location. And it had to be tested for pesticides and heavy metals and and all the stuff that they have to do. And you could grow chamomile, but you could only grow six plants. And the price, of course, would go up. And there would be some people that knew how to grow chamomile really well. And they'd probably invent new new breeds of it new strains of chamomile that had different terpene profiles. But for what? And when we talk about cannabis, frankly, I don't know if there's ever been a death because of chamomile, but there's more likely to have been a death with chamomile than there was from cannabis. What about the children? What about the children? Why do we let ourselves Be ruled. Why do we let ourselves be oppressed? Why is that our goal? Everywhere we go, we keep saying, oppress me, because I just know you won't do what I want if I don't have to pay you lots for it and be regulated and oppressed. Somebody, please help me out. Give me an answer. It's been months now I've been asking for this answer. Not one person has. Why do we need to be oppressed? All right. We just had elections. I'm very pleased and proud to be still a member of the Human Solution. I'm pleased and proud to be part of the leadership team. Ten years ago, (coughs) I began this journey. I got locked up for pot just a a minute more than 10 years ago. Never been locked up before. Had no criminal record of any kind. Didn't even have a speeding ticket. I found myself without freedom. Handcuffed, hard behind my back. I couldn't move. It hurt. Stuck in a cop car for hours and hours while he tried to figure out what was going on. Ultimately got taken into the station where I got held in a holding cell. Bunch of drunk people around. When I got pulled over, I had all the resources of my collective, uh, it wasn't a whole lot, but uh, maybe 10, 15 pounds of various different cannabis and cannabis products, um, they brought it all into the police station. Of course, it was very fragrant. I remember still to this day, while I was locked up in this holding cell, not knowing what was happening or going to happen, as I've never had this happen to me before. 
I remember listening to these cops, laughing and laughing and laughing, making pot jokes. And I was thinking to myself at the time when the thought process just began, this is what I get for trying to follow the fucking law. Because I was following the law of California. And I went out of my way to follow the law in California. And they'd come by and look at me. Oh, he's the pot guy. I had long hair at the time. I prefer long hair. But it turned out it was not as effective to have long hair for me to do what I do today. That's another story, but we make sacrifices sometimes. Anyways, I can remember listening to the cops joking and laughing and and every pot joke you could imagine came out of them. And then I got transferred over to the county jail. And everybody's asking me questions. Oh, I was I was the El Chapo. They thought I was I thought I was the devil himself. And then I got brought into general population and you know what are you here for? Well, pot. Oh, God, really? And through that process, I can remember spending a lot of time, it seemed like a lot of time to me anyways, in retrospect, it was just a moment in time, but sitting in a concrete room that had bars on it, and a toilet, and a sink that was all one unit, no privacy. Everything was cold. Just like Craig was talking about, it was probably 55 degrees in there. And I remember really taking a minute to reflect, to think about, you know, what the hell? How did it come to this? I was following the law. I wasn't so much thinking about that I was following the law, but how, how did this happen? What am I going to do about it? How do I get out of here? I learned at this point that I didn't have any phone numbers memorized anymore. How many of us know anybody's phone number? I knew my own phone number. I was finally able to connect with my wife and get some things happening to get me out of there. But through the course of this, I came to learn the importance of education and the importance of support. And through the subsequent cases that I've had and the victories and defeats, I've realized that the victories have come more when more people were standing with me, when I had allies, and the human solution I've watched for the last 10 years. And everywhere we go, everywhere we go, we, we, we live up to our name. We're not a big money company. We're not out here just to get your money. We don't have any money of our own or very little, so there's not that's not an issue. People that come to us looking for money, we can't help you either. But what we are is compassion, or empathy and sympathy, two are very different. 
And we're both. We're knowledge, hopefully some wisdom. But what we are in all that wrapped up is we are a solution, a real and true solution. And wherever we go, the world is a better place. And there's no there's no exception to that. Wherever we go that we're following our mission and our code of conduct, we make the world a better place. And where there's problems that are because of people, we tend to be part of the solution at least, if not the whole solution. And as I went through my cases, I know for a fact that I probably would have done prison time if it wasn't for those that stood by me. And that's why I'm a part of the solution. I know that there's still work to be done as much as people believe that, you know, passing an impotent law is the answer. I know that there's always going to be people that are going to be victimized because of that law. If you tax a product so much so that the people that need it most can't afford it, what have you done? You've created a black market. Nothing's changed at that point. Nothing's changed except for a handful of people have access to something that everybody else doesn't. Are we proud of ourselves? I've chosen to be a part of this solution. What about you? What are you going to do? There's a lot of things that we can do to make the world different and better. We have some plans. We have a way to, to, to join forces, to speak with a louder voice. I welcome you to be a part of this. This new, um, this new term of leadership has just gotten started. We had our first board meeting yesterday, or day before yesterday. Not yesterday. Most everybody made it, and I feel really confident that this team that we have right now of leadership has the ability to take this organization to a place it's never been, to a place that doesn't have all the drama and trauma that we've had in the past when we got big. I think we are ready to grow big again, but in a smarter way. And as I spoke to the leadership I told them this, we're not necessarily looking for a million new members, we're looking for a hundred new teachers. We're looking for those of you that are willing to stick your neck out a little bit, speak your voice up a little bit. Don't be shy. You never know who's standing next to you. Wear a ribbon. Wear a shirt that has a message that says, hey, what's that about? Be bold. This world has never been changed by the weak ones. Three kinds of people that I've heard it been distilled to. There's nice people, there's difficult people, and there's wimps. And nice people are most of the people that I work with, generally good people. We generally do the right thing for the right reasons. We generally want to make the world better. We find a way to be a part of the solution. Difficult people doesn't mean they're good or bad. It just means they're difficult. 
They're the person that always finds a hassle, always finds a reason not why not. They're the person that finds a problem. They might be an ally. They might be they might be fine, but they're going to be more trouble. And then there's the wimps. Watch out for the wimps, folks. They're the ones that stab you in the back. They're the ones that uh, cause the problems from the back of the room. Um, looking for the good ones, the nice people that have some stones, willing to stand up. All right, enough of my yapping. Let's get on to the show. Um, I've got a great guest today, Larry Sharp. And uh, Larry Sharp is running for office, um, running for New York governor. Now, well, New York is a a powerful state in the in the United States. It's got a huge history, one of the oldest states of the union, a wealth of of, of historic of history that has happened from there. Um, all kinds of problems, but. Um, I think New York has an opportunity right now. If we were to get a leader in New York that was bold and bright and willing to, I don't know, have some common sense, I imagine, I don't know how many people are currently in New York, but imagine what uh, uh, what kind of leadership a state like that could be. You know, California's been a leader in the cannabis world for a little while, then Colorado kind of jumped into the into the arena. And I look at the end of it, and I say, well, I wouldn't move to Colorado. I, I know too much about the inside of their laws and the, what really happened. But I know that if, 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 a, if a leader of a state that had the population and the resources of New York was to stand up and make a difference, boy, We'd be looking at, at, at history changing. So here's a little uh, a little intro for Larry Sharp. He's a businessman. He started a trucking business and sold a successful distribution company. Executive coach and management consultant who's um, mentored entrepreneurs, executives, leadership training. Strategic consultant for thought leaders in government, finance, law, technology, and so forth. A teacher. A guest instructor, teaches English, management, uh, and business at universities like Yale, Columbia. I don't know, a little impressive. A native New Yorker, Marine Corps veteran, a husband and father. Sounds like a guy that uh, represents a slice of America. Um, I understand he's got some some common sense points of view. I'm going to bring Larry up, and I'm also going to bring Pete Yapel, who is the one who brought Larry to our attention. And uh, let's first bring up Larry and say, hey, how's it going? Larry, welcome to the show. What's how going on, doing? brother? I'm doing good. What's going on, brother? How are you? I am doing fantastic. I've heard good things about you, and uh, I'm uh, glad to have they you. They are all lies. All lies. <laughs> I hear you. I say the same all the time. I'm also going to bring up Pete Yapel um, because he's the one that brought you to our attention. The head of our uh, New York chapter, so let me bring him up first. Gabriel, you're live on me and Larry, and I'd like to uh, just say, you know, Larry, we're a a 501c3, and and as much as we're not able to uh, officially endorse a candidate, what we are able to do is educate our listeners and our members 
about their choices and options, and, and um, we're able to bring you onto this forum uh, in, in that arena so that we can we can say, look, you can make a difference, and, and here's, here's something that you can do. So why don't you tell us about your platform? Look, the most important thing as a libertarian governor is someone who decides that I don't always know what's right for you, that, you know what, you usually know what's right for you. That's what's most important. What I want to do is I want to allow people to be as liberal or as conservative as they want to be, as long as they don't force their views on others. If you want to use a certain product, I don't know, say like cannabis or some other product that you feel is right for you, you should be able to use that. And if you are someone who doesn't want to use that product, you shouldn't, but you shouldn't tell others they can't. And that's what we're trying to do. But there's something else from another level here in New York State. We are struggling. We have over 100,000 of our people leaving every single year. We've lost over a million in the last eight years. So I want a product that not only can help people, which obviously cannabis does, but I also want to add hemp to that, and I want a product that can help out farmers, meaning it can be a cash crop. We can actually let our farmers here in New York grow hemp and cannabis so that they can actually have a better farm, a more effective farm. And when I do it in a way that allows the small farmer to win. And what I've often said is I want to regulate hemp and cannabis like onions. And I joke when I say onions, but I also don't joke. I'm joking because it sounds funny and people think it's cool. Oh, yeah, like onions. But I want to add one thing, and that is you have to be 18 years or older to purchase it. But the point being, do you need a special license to grow onions? No. If you want to be a farmer and you want to start growing onions, you should be able to do that. If you want to grow hemp or cannabis, go do it. Now, to be forward with you, I'm not a farmer, and that's okay. I don't have to be one. My assumption is if you are a small farmer, you can make that choice. If I regulate this a lot, if I regulate it heavily, if I make there, you know, make it that you have to have licensing and things like that and drop $200,000 to get a license and get that kind of inspection, you know what's going to happen? Big business wins, small farmers lose. That's what happens every time. I was just in a, um, a cannabis investment roundtable um, event in New York City about three weeks ago, and there were hundreds of millions of dollars being invested. None of them were going to New York. And almost all of them were going to big grows in California, uh, in uh, Colorado, in Washington State. New York State already has a culture of craft beer and craft brews. We could easily make craft grows. Hempcrete, hemp concrete, uh, cannabis for sleep, cannabis for this, cannabis for that. And all of a sudden now we can have our farmers grow and become more valuable, more important, bring family members back from other states, and grow a small economy and a, a niche craft industry in New York State. On top of that, if you make it like onions to where you don't have a lot of taxes, guess what? If you are someone who has chronic pain and you want to use a cannabis product, grow your, grow your medicine in your backyard if you want to. Go ahead, do that. I don't want to be someone who stops someone from having a better life. If that means a cannabis product, then enjoy the cannabis product, whether that's an edible or a liquid or smoking it or whatever is the way you want to ingest it. Again, it's not my issue on how you deal with it and what you put in your body. If it gives you a better life, I'm happy. I'm, I'm good with that. But I'm still not done. If you tax it too much, you will have a black market. And you see that already now in California, Colorado, and in Washington. If instead you keep the taxes very low, 
or even zero like onions, then the guy who was dealing today simply walks down, gets his LLC or his S-Corp or C-Corp, and now he's still a dealer. He's still in business. All, all that changes. Now he's paying taxes. And that's what I want. I want people to be able to use the product as they see fit, grow it as they see fit, sell it as they see fit, as long as you're 18 years or older to use it or grow it. I don't have a problem with that. We do that. We will have happy New Yorkers, more busy New Yorkers, more prosperous New Yorkers, and we can bring more of the youth back to our state. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here, and so you know, I don't adhere to any of the things I'm going to pose to you, but um, there's there's a culture here. That was the word I was looking for, a culture. Anyways, um, you know, all the laws that have been passed so far in every single state have been very tax-centric and very regulation-centric. And the reason is that, um, you know, we, we... we have to protect ourselves. And, you know, the what about the children thing and all of that. But the, the what is it that the people that claim that, oh, it's going to increase crime, uh, the people that say, oh, people are just going to, you know, be sprinkling poison on all their stuff. We've got to have stringent regulations and, and tests for every, you know, cosmic ray substance under the sun. And, you know, what do you say to that? Thing. Are they sprinkling poison on onions right now? <laughs> That's what I'm asking. Hey, no, they're not. Then we're good. That's why I said like onions. Now, yeah. if, they, if they're sprinkling poison on onions, okay, got it, but they're not. The reality of it is they're sprinkling poison on cannabis products now because they're not regulated at all because they're in the black market. There's crime now because they can't use police forces because they can't use banks. There's crime now. So let me ask you, is there crime now with people, I don't know, at a, at, at a liquor store? Does liquor store A decide to firebomb liquor store B? No, because they're both legal and regular. This life is good. Does grocery store selling onions, do they attack each other and have drive-bys? No. So why would that happen now? I said regulate well, like there onions. Onion war of 72, but other than that. <laughs> yeah, but the, and that one, look, that was an exception. That was sweet onion. That's different. True, the sweet onions, man. You can't. You got to have the sweet onions. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, what 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 kind of um, reception have you gotten? I just to be straight up, I am certainly not party affiliated, but I am very much libertarian leaning in my thoughts. I I you know if my liberties aren't stepping on your liberties, then leave them alone is the way I. I see it, generally speaking. So um, I, I never saw a government do much good for me. Uh, you drive down the California roads, and I can tell you what that's all about. But uh, what, what kind of reception have you received? As a general rule, a very good reception, because I don't just talk about you know, guys who want to get high. I talk about using cannabis products to grow the economy, to hate, to help farmers. You, you saw, I mean, you heard what I talked about. I talk about, you know, dealing with chronic pain. I talk about giving people more opportunities and bringing the youth back. But there's another aspect that I hardly ever bring up, but sometimes I bring this up too, which is using cannabis products so that people don't become addicts, so that people have the opportunity to use a cannabis product instead of an opioid. So that helps, but not just that. Using a cannabis product to get someone off of a drug, 
you know, using the cannabis product to kind of mitigate the uh, withdrawal symptoms so that you can actually deal with our opioid crisis. When I talk about not just let's get high, but I talk about ways to actually help people and make things better, the average person at least goes, well, fine, whatever. Most of them go, wow, great idea, let's do it. So what I'm getting is people who were 100% against are becoming apathetic, and people who are apathetic are becoming pro, and people who are pro are jumping out of their skin happy. Well, that's good. So what, what, are, the, what are your numbers looking like right now? Well, I'm at, uh, my issue right now is name recognition more than anything. I'm at about 33% name recognition, but I still poll at 13%, which is amazing because if I poll, if you do the math on it, obviously, right, you triple that 33 to 100, um, that would make 13 go to 39, and in a five-way race in New York State, that's a win. So it is. I am theoretically in position to win if I can get my name out, which is why I'm doing so much media, which is why I'm doing, you know, about three to four events every single day. And I'm doing it for this last push to get my name out. If I get name recognition, this is a winnable race. That's excellent. Well, uh, Pete, um, you're the one that introduced us to Larry and, and let us know about his candidacy. Um, you know, what, do you have something you want to you add to this conversation? Absolutely. Absolutely, guys. Listen, I'm finally glad that we've got Larry Hurd on the West Coast as well. Because this man's, believe me, this man's ideas, this man's commitment, and this man's true humanity uh, is something that's going to reflect in New York when he's elected. And I will say when he's elected, because, Joe, you know me, I will continue to do everything I can to keep the E on the end of his name. And we always say it's sharp with an E, which means electable. Larry, oh, yes. incredible kid. I mean, Larry, hey, Larry, I'm glad, I'm glad you made the show tonight. I'm glad I was able to, you know, I'm on every week anyway, but I was glad I was able to get on and hear you. Um, uh, Larry stands true, Joe. There's one thing I can say about Larry Sharp. I have interviewed Larry Sharp for three hours. I've spoken to Larry Sharp for I don't know how many hours, and I've met Larry Sharp <laughs> at countless events. And Larry Sharp has never wavered. He's never yes. wavering. He stands by what he believes. He's a man of conviction. He's a man that actually stands and believes what he speaks of and stands for it. The next thing I really, truly love about Larry, and I, you know, guys, if you haven't got me, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky to go out and speak for Larry now. I mean, I, and I'm so glad every opportunity that I'm invited because the excitement, the excitement I finally feel in a candidate. You know, I've never had excitement in a candidate. The government's been my enemy for forever. But I finally yes. feel as though I have someone that, that, that claims transparency, that not only claims transparency, proves it in every conversation we have. I mean, Larry, don't mess punches. It's not, it's not popular to say the truth candidates like onions. Let's be realistic. I mean, Joe, you know yep. that even in California. I mean, you, it, it's impossible for people to grasp that. But he has an understanding, and he knows, and he listens to the people. And Larry himself will tell you, he doesn't have all the ideas. He doesn't know how to fix everything. But that's what all of these endorsements that we want to stay and prosper and grow and make this state as beautiful and as powerful as its name in general is, isn't going to happen unless we have a guy like Larry Sharp steering the steering the ship. And that's what I'll say. All right. Well, thank you so much, Pete. So, Larry, 
Um, I mean, how, how obviously, you know, in the political game, raising money has, has got a big old, you know, element of this. How are you doing as far as fundraising goes? Yeah, well, I got to tell you, I'm I'm very happy. We've raised about four hundred thousand dollars, and our average donation is eighty dollars. So we are really doing it the grassroots way. We are out there trying to get the individuals to support us because that's what we want. I don't have a career that I'm trying to protect. I don't have cronies I'm trying to uh, reward or party loyalists that I have to give some job to. So it's very good uh, when it comes to that. And always, look, if people want to help out, and obviously if you want to know more, you can go to LarrySharp.com. That's LarrySharp.com or Larry Sharp for New York Facebook page or Larry Sharp for New York YouTube page or Larry Sharp Twitter or Instagram. We are all over social media. It is what we're doing. And my stances are there. My videos are there. In fact, there's even a video where you can see P talk. Yes, even he's talking on one of our videos. So you can have him talk too. Um, you can watch us all say what we say. And again, to his point, we say the same thing. We're very strong on what we believe. Um, if you want to support, you can donate also if you feel at LarrySharp.com. And that's sharp with an E. And that E does stand for electable. It's true. Excellent. Hey, listen, well, can I say a quick thing? New York accent on top of it all. Yes. <laughs> yes, he does. Hey, listen, uh, I, I just want to add to that. Every human being that I've introduced to Larry, and I'm not like saying personally, like, hey, you know, have him shake his hand, but every person that I've brought to and said, listen, please listen to this man, please listen to him, have, have absolutely stood up to me and said, yes, this is the man I want running the state. Absolutely, this is the man running the state. It's just getting him out there. He's not the Republican that I can't even remember his name. I know it begins with an M. And uh, and he's not the Democrat who has been destroying. The, the, and I don't listen again. Parties don't matter, but he is a Democrat. They've had it for 16 years. They haven't improved it yet. They can't improve it. How much more time do you need than 16 years? Let's start fresh. Let's start fresh with a real candidate, with a real New Yorker, and someone that's really taken the time to meet all of New Yorkers, not just New York City. Yes, in fact, the funny part is, as of tomorrow, I, I will have been in all 62 counties. I will have made all of them. Nice. That doesn't surprise nice. me, Larry. Yes. Is, yes. Is there, um, you know, we're, I'd like to give you kind of a, you know, a parting shot, something that, uh, you know, we've, we're, we're, a, we're a, a podcast covering anywhere in the world, and I've got a number of listeners in New York, um, and... I, I know yeah, that there's uh, a let, lot of let me uh, yeah, let me uh, wrap this up with something relatively simple. If you realize this campaign, how uh, I hope you realize this campaign is the number one most important individual campaign. There are many campaigns combined are more important, but this one individually is the most important campaign because when I win this thing, it will change the entire nation. It will make it okay for a third party to try to run on its own. It will, make it, it will make the Libertarian Party a real third party throughout the entire nation. It will turn New York gold and make everyone realize, wait a minute, we don't have to just vote for the lesser of two evils. We can vote for somebody that we want to vote for. It will change everything. But even if I don't win and I just come in second, 
all the ideas I talk about will still keep going. Why? Because there'll be a microphone shoved in my face every single day saying, how did you do it? How'd you come in second? How'd you do it in New York State? And I will talk about issues just like this again and again and again, and I will push it until there is change. If you actually want change in this nation, if you actually want change in this state, you got to vote Libertarian November 6th. If you can't vote, you can support us. Look, here's the reality. If I raise another two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars $300,000, I'll win this thing without question because all I need is more time to get my name out. If I get my name out, people will look me up, and they will like it, and they will vote. This is a winnable race. Support if you can. LarrySharp.com. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, I want to say real quick, everybody doesn't know, everybody doesn't know, Larry is either his second, are you your second or your third highest contributor, Larry? I'm my third highest contributor. I put my own money into this. I put five figures of my own money into this. So so listen, he's not a guy that's just asking. He's doing, guys. No, I understand. And I, I got one question for you, Larry, before we cut it off. And that's this. If you get elected, promise me this. You're not going to drink from the political well and become like the other ones. It seems that so many people, they make these claims. They are this amazing dream, and then they get in there, and they end up just being like everybody else. Well, here's the funny part, right? I, because of the party that I'm in, that's basically impossible. I don't have big party infrastructure. I don't have party bosses. I don't have any of that stuff. Not just that. I don't have a career to protect, and I don't have people to pay back. There's nothing they can do to get me to do that. It, it doesn't work. I'm not part of the establishment. So that can't happen. I actually have to stay close to the actual people because since I don't have all the party infrastructure, I still need the people to be supporting me. I need them to be calling up. I need them to be protesting. I need them to be behind me. If they're not behind me, I'm not going to get anything done. I'm going to be a failure. So even if I wanted to become a shill, I couldn't. So I promise you, yes, I will become a shill. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for taking your time. And uh, you know what? Just remember, folks, uh, it's a couple of weeks from now. you got a chance to make a difference. Cast that vote. Thank you so much. Have a good night. All right. You do the same. Larry Sharp, folks. All right, Pete, I'm going to keep you on the line here since uh, you normally give us an update. And uh, why don't you tell us what's been going on in New York um, outside of this? Well, obviously, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of support for Larry. I, I, I mean, honestly, guys, I don't want to waste any more, or not, I shouldn't say waste, or spend more time on it, because the man speaks eloquently, and he speaks from his heart. And if you don't hear it, then you're not listening. But we're personally, man, we got we got a, some bad news. I, I got to share with the listeners. Um, our run at the Holistic Healing Studio has come to an end as far as our classes. We're just looking for another place to have it. Uh, Denise took an extra job, and Bob, her partner, is uh, got, some, um, got some things he's involved with on Fridays, so we're not able to hold the class there on Fridays any longer. We're looking for a replacement place, but we're still always educating. You guys can always reach out, and, and we'll do, uh, do what we can. Um, as far as the human solution goes, I just want to say, everybody, listen, we did. We had a great board meeting, uh, our first board meeting with our new board and our new, uh, our, uh, our new uh, people that are running this place, uh, you know, people that are board members and have positions, hold positions. It was, it was a great meeting. Listen, we're, we're focused. We're a driven group. Uh, we can use you. We're, we're putting some get things together. I'm going to use my um, 
you know, to stir some excitement as well, just to show you guys truly the real human part of the human solution. Um, we're here to help people um, every single day, you know, at any given time, 137,000 people will be sitting behind bars for the cannabis plant. And it, it, that's just a number that's ridiculous, people. These are cannabis. First of all, they're in jail for cannabis. They're not in jail for murder and rape and everybody they're sitting next to. Um, I don't care who you are. You place a person in a cage and you place them in an unsavory moment. They're not going to be the same person they are when they leave. And that's not fair. It's not fair to good people who are, have done nothing but deal with a plant that has never hurt, injured, or killed anybody. Remember that. So there's no victim. There's no crime. Remember about jury nullification, everyone. Keep it close to your heart. If you are on a jury trial, and I don't care what the law states, if it's not fair, then you do not have to convict someone of a law that's unfair. You're not there to depict a law. You're there to decide whether somebody committed a crime or is guilty of a crime. Um, uh, remember that. The Human Solution International, Pete Yapel here in, in – and Helen Yapel here in New York, reach out to us at Solidarity Over Separation, the Human Solution International New York chapter. You can find us on Facebook. You can call me at 845-522-3162. And listen, we're just making changes every day. Every single day we're opening up people's eyes. And every single day, people are realizing. And if we can get the right leadership involved, we definitely can make a difference, people. And like Larry said, you've got to be involved. I mean, you know, like if he comes in second, what's he going to do? He's just going to keep talking because you can't shut up. We can't have these lulls where we go two years in between major uh, elections and cannabis just be a back on the back burner like it always ends up. We have to keep this in the forefront. We have to keep fighting for our rights, and we have to free this plant and the people in jail that are there because of it. All right. Well, I couldn't agree with you more, and, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting to watch this team uh, build not only just our numbers, but uh, uh, we're starting to act as a team now, and people are um, participating with ideas, and um, it's we're going to be making, actually, I'll, I'll share this with everybody now. We're going to be releasing some videos. Um, the elected team is going to put out a meet the team video, each individually, so that you can know who we are, why we're here, and what, what, makes, what makes us a valuable part of this organization, a part of the solution. But we're also going to ask any member of the Human Solution to do the same. And so what I'm going to put out there now is um, if you were to um, put together a little video, it can be on any format. It can be recorded on YouTube or it can be uh, an MP3 or 4, uh, MP4 I think it is, whatever it is, a, a video file. Um, and introduce yourself as a member of the Human Solution and add into it this phrase, I'm a part of the solution because. And tell us why you're here. You tell us why Absolutely. are you a part of the organization. Absolutely, and then, Joe. I mean, that's a great thing. I, I mean, and, and listen, I think, I, I, I think that whole idea and concept might give some validity to our passion. Because let, let's face it, we're all volunteer. None of us get paid for this. We do this because we care. 
And and I think that if families and people can understand what others go through, what others support, and how simple it is to just be kind and help uh, in situations like this, it can, it can make a huge difference. Uh, I just want to say real quick before I got to get off, Joe, because I'm kind of in a hurry tonight, too, and I, God knows I'm a long-winded idiot. But I, I'm going to see you in two weeks, man. I cannot wait to get out there. Helen is super psyched. And, um, you know, it's two weeks from tonight. I tried to change my flight so I could get there and come and do your show with you on Wednesday. I just couldn't do it. It was too expensive for me to do. So, um, but we'll be, you know, we'll be there on, you know, for a good few days. And uh, it's something that really needs to happen. We may may end up just doing a special show. um, Because we can, I've got, I've got virtually any, any day of the week I can do a show, so maybe we'll we'll do a special edition. All right, awesome. Hey, that sounds great to us because we hey, listen. We haven't had the chance to team up like that. You were so quick here, and I'm going to be pretty quick there. Um, we haven't had the opportunity to do that. And I want everybody to know too. While I'm at Joe's place, I'm going to spend a tremendous amount of time making an incredible an incredible piece about Willow Creek Springs because I truly believe in this medication. Everybody that uses it, that I help with it, believes in his medication. They guys, and not only just the medication, their healthcare products, their skincare products, you name it, Willow Creek Springs has got what you need. And I promise you, before I leave there, brother, you will leave with a very satisfied commercial, you know, that I'll run everywhere. I have no, I have no doubt. I'm very much looking forward to it. And uh, it, it, it definitely, I'm sure it will not disappoint. All right, excellent, guys. I'll see you all next week on the radio. Joe, I'll see you and Liz and everybody in two weeks. Uh, we're really excited, really happy. Uh, I do want to apologize to everyone that, has, that listens to our show. We have, Helen and I haven't sat still, guys. I, I mean, even long enough to sit down for an hour on the radio the last couple of weeks. And it's, it, it bothers us because uh, it's something we love to do, and it, it's something that gives you a chance to have a voice just like this show, and we apologize that we've been just so overburdened, but we really have. We're making a difference. We've got three weeks till we elect the leader of this state, and that's where my attention is right now, guys. I have to apologize for that up front, but at the same time, I'm not, because if this gentleman doesn't get elected, I'm subject to four more years of prison, in out of prison. And, and, and that's, there's no way to better put it. The man he's running against is a bad man. I, I'm not talking about bad politics. I'm not going to talk about his political career, career. This man, Andrew Cuomo, is a bad man. He's a bad human being. And if you do any research, any research whatsoever on this man, you will understand that he does not care about you. I appreciate your time, Joe, as I do every week, man, and I really can't wait to get out there. Right on. All right. Pete Yapel and his lovely wife, Helen. I will. Uh, well, we'll talk next week, but uh, we're, we're going to do an extra, an extra edition. So, the cool thing is, is you know, this is a podcast, and we've set aside our Wednesday afternoons, even though still half the people I know forget that. Um, the other half remember. So, we'll probably we'll just figure it out once he gets here. We'll set a time, and we'll do maybe an hour show and call it a special edition. It'll be yep. good. Um, all right, so we're going to continue on with this. I think we're getting some momentum right now with the Human Solution. We've had um, a surge of membership, and I, and I think it's not just because of 
um, the elections. We did a little push for the elections, but um, I think more and more people are getting, you know, this is 10 years of being an organization, a non-funded organization, an all-volunteer grassroots organization that has been doing this for 10 years. I don't know if there's any others like it. I don't know. I think I think at one point people give up, they get tired of uh donating their time and their and their heart and their passion. And one of the things I've noticed is in the last 6 months we've gotten more families engaged. Uh more husband and wife, more couples, more children. Um this is becoming realer. And what I mean by that is that it's this is a community, a grassroots community organization, which means that we pop up wherever we're needed. And when somebody gets in trouble and somebody needs help, they need everybody. But when you are in trouble, your strongest allies are whole whole families. You know, it's one thing if uh, one member of the family, the husband or the wife, support something and the other one's like, yeah, whatever. That's that's the way it is a lot of times. Even politically minded or whatever the cause. One side is like, yeah, this is the most important thing in the world. The other one's yeah, yeah. Go ahead, do your thing. We have right now more husband and wives, more couples, more family you know, groups involved than ever before and I feel I feel that the strength that's coming right now is unparalleled, and I, I think that our focus right now is creating a pathway for people to get engaged with this organization and to be able to feel like they're productive. One of the basic human needs is to be acknowledged, to feel that somebody cares. And one of the ways that we do that is by doing something that you're part of, being a part of something bigger than yourself, being a part of a group that's doing important work, those are rewarding. You know, I've always talked about unlimited intangible benefits. And half joking, only half joking, because it's true. The rewards that people get from participating in an organization like ours are life-changing. They give you a depth that is unparalleled. I mean, sure, you can save a small child from drowning or you can, you know, push somebody out of the way of a car that's coming by or you can throw a rope out to somebody that's, that's you know, just fell over a boat or you can be there to help somebody that's being oppressed by generations of oppression. And trust me when I tell you this, when you find yourself on the bad end of prohibition, you find yourself all alone. And when I got arrested, that was the one time in my life that I found myself more alone than ever. Family turned their back on me. People I had known for, for years and years and years. People I had supported, given medicine to, made available my resources, whatever they were. Sorry, I'm a teacher. I can't uh I can't be hanging around you. Sorry, I'm whatever, insert insert name of 
of of license. I I I can't jeopardize my career. That's the kind of crap I heard. People would listen to innuendos. They would make their own judgments based on accusations, and they would leave. It's a lot of work to support somebody going through some some trial, literally or figuratively. And so when you find that there are people that will, and when you become those people, you cement a bond that, even if that bond doesn't officially last forever, trust me, I've helped people that forgot all about me when it was all said and done, but when it was happening, and when it is happening, it changes the fabric of, of humanity. And just showing up, just stay in the course. With enough of us staying the course and getting our numbers larger and more capable, teaching teaching people what to do, pe- teaching people how to be effective, helping people to ga- gather their power of one. We talk about the power of one. Each one of us, it just takes one of us to step up in any given room, in any given situation, in any given forum, elevator, wherever you happen to be, and 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 begin that conversation. Prohibition exists because of ignorance. It exists because of misinformation. It exists because of lies. Larry Sharp was right. There is no reason that this plant needs to be regulated, taxed, or made illegal at all in any way, shape, or form. We need to end prohibition. We need to decriminalize this plant. It needs to just be a plant. And if you believe that, and if you feel that that's something that you support, contact me. Get a hold of us. Our website, thsintl.org. Participate. You got no time, but you got a couple bucks, throw the bucks. If you got no bucks, but you got some time, Throw a flag. Tell us you want to volunteer. Connect with us. We will help this happen. If you care about ending prohibition, we will help you to help us. It's what we call a win-win situation. There's a lot of different kind of situations out there. And a lot of organizations, and again, I'm not here to negative talk anybody or anything in any way, shape, or form. But the truth is, most nonprofit organizations, most churches, most most funds of any kind are a win-lose situation. What that means is one party would win and the other part wouldn't. Whether they actually lose or not isn't important. Both sides don't typically win, <clears throat> unless you just like giving money away. <clears throat> Generally speaking, that's what you can do to help. Or you can gather signatures for a legislation or a elected official. That's pretty much what's out there, generally speaking. Yeah, there's projects and there's things that are beyond that, but for the most part, it's what my experience has been. With our organization, we've learned, at least some of us have learned, hopefully we've all learned, that when an individual wants help and they're willing to help themselves, that's when we do best because it's a win-win situation. When somebody stands up for themselves and they say, hey, I'm fighting for my freedom, can you help? Sure, no problem. Most of the people, unfortunately, call us up and say, hey, I got busted. What can you do for me? All right. You know, 
we give them an opportunity. You can call the radio show, participate on the website, sign up, start waving your hand around. Most don't. Most don't, but some do. The ones that do are what makes the difference. The ones that actually want to be engaged in their own liberty. That's what we need. That's what it takes to get this liberty. The win-win situation. That's what we're doing. And finally, I guess the last point I want to make is our organization is unique because we actually have a code of conduct. We actually care about how we behave in our own name. And there's all kinds of people that do all kinds of stupid things in all kinds of different names. But with our organization, you don't get to do that. There's a saying that says, treat people like ladies and gentlemen, not because they are, but because we are. And I think that there's something that that's said for that. You know, we're better than that. We're not the attack group. We're not the group that's going, well, you know what they did? Oh, blah, 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 blah. You know, that's what people love to hear. It brings in, It brings in attention, but it doesn't make a positive effect. We have a mission. Our mission is to end prohibition entirely. If you want to help, we would welcome it. All right. I want to, before we bring up, we got Creed Leffler, we got Noncompliant Mary, and Glenn Keeling up in line to speak, and I got a good half an hour to do it. So we're not pressed for time. Um, and I think George Marcherano is going to be calling in too. So, um, if you believe in the power of visualization or prayer or good thoughts or whatever, uh, Tom Corby's not on the line today. And uh, I left him a message yesterday, and he didn't return my call. So um, Tom Corby's a dear friend. Uh, he's a lion of a man. He he has helped more people than probably anybody else I know. Um, and he's got back problems. He was in the hospital, and hopefully he's uh, recovering. I don't know if anybody's heard from Tom. Please let me know. But I did reach out to him, and all I can say is um, in my eyes and in my mind, uh, if you don't know Tom, he's a tall, lanky man um, with a, a beard and kind of a balding head, uh, beautiful, sparkling eyes, and a, and, a, and a smile from here to there. Um, he's an amazing individual, and I just, you know, see him, see him throwing horseshoes. He likes to throw horseshoes. Uh, see him telling a story, seeing him walking around with a smile on his face. Um, we need Tom. We need him to be healthy. We need him to be with us. So uh, put that out there. Okay, we got Creed Leffler on the line, and uh, Creed has been, he's been on this show now for several months, and he's got a petition where he's asking the federal government to take cannabis off of Schedule One. And he's been doing more effort towards this particular petition than I've seen most people do for most things. He's got plans. He's reaching out to celebrities. He's uh, 
Last I checked, we had just gotten over 7,000 um, signatures, and we've got a lot more to go. And uh, he's made connections on some level with uh, some big-name celebrities, and I think he was trying to get connected with Snoop Dogg and his manager last time, last week. So let's see what's going on with that and see what's going on with Creed. Creed Leffler, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you all. And we are up to 7,095 signatures. Thank you all, and we are up to 7,095 signatures. Excellent. Every week we keep getting more. Um, and a couple weeks ago, I posted a status, um, and I tagged you in it, so it's about a letter writing campaign. Could you find it and read it to everybody? A couple weeks ago, um, I posted a... Where's it at? It's on your page? I tagged you in it, so you you should be able to find it or it's on my page. All right, I'm just going to go to your page. I get tagged in a lot of things. Um, And what is it I'm looking for? I got some vegan sandwiches. I got... uh, Here it is, October 4th. Hi, guys. I came up with an idea last night to begin a letter-writing campaign to Greenflower Media. My vision is to get Greenflower Media's experts on board with my campaign. Will you guys help me gain Greenflower Media's support? If you want to join this campaign, the address is 4744. Telephone Road, number 3-289, Ventura, California, 93003. This letter should be addressed to Max Simon, the CEO. So this is uh, this is another thing that people can do, you know. Um, if we are able to reach people of influence, people that have um, a, a larger reach than we do, and we can get them all to agree on a topic or a term or two, what a difference we could make. So absolutely, Creed, I, I support that. And uh, I'll have somebody post that up onto the, onto the show notes. Thank you. Could, you. could you also finish reading the status? Thank you. Could you also put a finished reading the uh, status? Finished reading status. The um, finished. No. I finished. I just got it some names after it. Pete Yapel, Joe Grumbine, Lisa Wooldridge. This was on October fourth. I don't know. Maybe you did it again another time. Yeah. No. That's all. No, that, that's but I was, 
I've I've been trying to get a hold of these guys for a while. Um, I actually got a article written um on the website from uh Facebook print, but uh, unfortunately. That, that didn't get a lot of notoriety, so I'm hoping to do a film piece with Max Simon. Operator, can you help me out there? Okay. So I've been trying to get a hold of these guys for a while, and... Uh, I actually got an, an article written on their website, and then sorry, create something about Facebook. Um, with uh, from a friend of mine on Facebook. Oh, with a former friend of mine on Facebook, and but unfortunately that didn't get a lot of notoriety. Um, so I'm hoping to do a, a film piece with uh, Max Simon. Yeah, which is well, we will CEO. definitely uh, continue to re- reach out, and you know the good thing is, is you never know when just that right person is gonna is gonna hit the right mark. So the most important thing is we keep showing up, we keep trying, and uh, we just might hit it. You never know. Yeah, I I, I wrote a letter to Max. Because I'm actually connected to him on LinkedIn. So I've got a direct link to him. So I um, wrote a letter to him the day I wrote that status. And I'm actually connected to him on uh, LinkedIn. So I got a a direct link to him. Um, so I, I wrote a letter to him the, the same day that I wrote that status. All right. Well, Cree, we'll, we, we will continue to keep trying. And, you know, like I said, it's uh, persistence pays off. So we will definitely uh, we'll keep banging away. And just remember, everybody, if you haven't signed that petition yet, um, if somebody can put a link up on the show uh, for that as well, uh, it's just a click of a button, but and share it around. Let people know. It's just one more way that we can make a difference. Simple enough. All right, Creed. Well, thank you so much for calling in the show again, and um, we will talk to you next week. Thank you, and sorry to hear about George. Absolutely. All right. So up next, we've got. Uh, you know what? We're going to get non-compliant Mary and then Glenn Keeling, and I think George is going to be calling in shortly as well. All right, this is one of my favorite people on the planet, and uh, she is still a board member, which makes me happy, and she gets the power of positivity in a way that few people do. Um, been through many adversities, and she just bounces back and keeps on smiling, finds a way to make it right. So, Mary, I look forward to hearing what you have to say today. (laughs) Hey, Joe. Hey, everybody out there. 
Uh, I received a one of those little promo things for voting in the mail, and I'm in El Dorado County, Northern California, and this uh, little promo was encouraging everyone to vote yes on all these marijuana measures coming up. And it talked about ending prohibition and how important that was. Then it said to vote for legalization over and over and over again. It said that if we legalize it, all the money that's brought in can be used to um, enforce the laws and take down all the growers. Well, in our county, we have uh, we're and we're a rural county. Uh, I'm not saying we don't have anyone doing something wrong. I'm sure we do. We've got pretty much everything here. But the vast majority of people are just simple people that just have given uh, given up on pharmaceuticals and all that kind of thing. And we just like to live a healthy life. And we have, as a 2,000 growers, we're being offered 150 special spots where people can get, possibly, they're just considering it, can get a license to do this legally. Part of it is that there's going to be, I think it's a 30% surtax on the medicine. And of these 150 people, again, we've got 2,000 growers, only 150 spots, that the fees to become a legal grower are up to $44,000. That's just the fee to become legal to have a business, and anyone who's ever been in business knows what it costs. Every paperclip, every everything costs money, and it's a lot of work to actually turn a profit. But you can do it if you've got enough behind you and you can hang in there. So in addition to this, they, in our county, I don't know about the other counties, it may be the same there, I don't know, but in ours, we also have to get an environmental impact report. The attorneys, the board of supervisors, uh, no one there even knew how much that would cost. They said that they've never had anybody other than shopping centers and like big developers where they're doing like, I, I'm just picking a number, a thousand homes or something like that. They need to do that because they change so much of the groundwork, you know, that there could be a problem with water flow and whatnot. It makes sense for them. Does it make sense for someone who wants to, let's just really push it, have 20 plants? 20 plants in their backyard, they have to go get an environmental impact report. My guess is it's over five grand for that. And then whatever the fees are, like I said, it goes up to 44000 They all agree that most people in our area wouldn't be able to afford it. So most likely those 150 special lottery parts or spots are going to go to people from outside of the area who are coming in here with big money to make money at an industry that the local people have been eking out a living for a very long time, cutting out everybody here. And yet this little promo piece says support legalization and prohibition and vote yes on all of this so that over $1 million can be spent enforcing the law against the other 1,850 growers. And I look at this and I just, I'm normally, I am a very positive person. But that makes me angry. It makes me really, really angry that somebody feels out there that it's okay to turn one person against another, to turn one neighbor against another neighbor. All we're doing, and I say we in the, in the biggest sense of we, humanity, all, all of us are trying to do is live a life, be able to pay our bills, put food on the table, spend a little time with those that we love, maybe a little extra time visiting and exploring the world and just finding out about ourselves and how we fit into this scheme of life thing. 
and they throw stuff like this at us. And I just have to say, when I looked at that, I decided I'm going to vote this year. Uh, the last the, 2016 was the first time I haven't voted, by the way, since I was 18. So I've been very responsible. But when it comes to voting for the lesser of two evils, I said, I've got to back away from this. I, I don't want to put my name to something that I don't believe in. And I want to encourage everybody to, if they, if they believe in voting, uh, you just got some benefits, to vote your conscience and know that what you're signing your name to, what you're voting for, you're saying this is just, this is what I want to be. Don't just pick the lesser of two evils saying, well, you know, that guy will kill me um, by fire and that's going to hurt a lot, so I'd rather go to this guy who's going to poison me. They're killing you. Why would you vote yes to being killed? Why would you vote yes to being oppressed? Why would you vote yes to being said that the only pain relief you can get is through a pharmaceutical that you know is likely to uh, cause you grave damage? Why not do something, if you want to, why not do something natural, God-given, that comes from the earth, that's never harmed a single person, and that's likely to bring you a lot of relief without all the side effects? Why? Oh, because it's dangerous. It really is dangerous. I have to say, Joe, it hasn't killed anybody. Well, actually, it probably has killed people. Cannabis probably has killed people, but not the plant itself. The officers enforcing the laws that we agree to, that we consent to, those officers are killing people because people are breaking the law by not taking their pharmaceuticals, by not putting their their mortgages on hold and doing all this stuff to come up with the money to buy the drugs that make them sick to get more drugs because of the side effects. The people that are not doing that, those are the people that are at risk. And so I just wanted to say that if you're going to vote, you know, please make sure it's something that you really want to be out there. Remember that those laws are going to apply to you and your children. They're going to apply to your neighbors, your relatives, your friends. And do you really want your friend being put in that kind of a position? End prohibition. It is a plant to put people in prison. And here in California, it's currently about $75,000 a year per person to cage them, to take them away from their life to take away all their liberties, and for us to support them, us being the taxpayers, to support them because they had a relationship with a plant. That sounds like porn to me. That's horrible. Just a relationship with a plant, they're not doing anything bad with it. I do the same thing to my plants I do with my tomatoes. And believe me, it's all, it can be out in the open. There's nothing wrong there. And so I just, I had a moment of just, Upsetness. <laughs> Looking at that little promo piece, and that's what I just wanted to share. Well, you know what, though, satisfied needs do not motivate. And, and what that means is, if we feel like we got everything we need, what the hell do we need to do an effort for? And and the truth is, you know, we get duped all the time. If you look at initiatives, especially in California, where we have the referendum, you know, ballot initiative. I know. Not every state does. I don't think Kansas has a has a ballot initiative process. But in the states that do, what happens is you get people that will write an initiative in such a way that it's so confusing that most people think they're voting for something they're not, and they think they're voting not for something they are. We have a, a gas tax that got passed in a really down and dirty way, and they passed it in such a way that changed the way that um, California is able to pass a tax. And 
enough people got pissed off about it that they put an initiative on the ballot. It's on there right now. It's, it's Measure 6. And it repeals that gas tax that added 30 cents a gallon to everybody's ga gas in California. Supposedly, this money goes to the roads. So you know how many taxes have gone to the roads that none of it does. And California has the worst roads in the country. Well, guess what? It's just corruption. It's the same crap. And actually what they did is they changed the way the amount of votes required for a tax to be issued. And repealing this thing will fix it. But most people, frankly, they're not going to read it. They're going to they're gonna feel like, oh, you know, the, the highway patrol gets up there and says we need this thing uh, to be this way. And people are like, oh, well, then that's what we'll do. You get the right uh, endorsements. You get the right money behind things. And people just don't put their thought into it. So please, if you're going to participate, take some time. Get to know the candidate. Get to know the issue. If you're going to vote, vote. Vote for what you really want. What do we want? We can make it happen. So let's do it, folks. Mary, it is always a treat to talk to you. Even if you're mad, I get something from <laughs> it. So, You know, I'm going to get up because I think that's Tom calling in right now. So I'm going oh, to go cool. up and, and screen him in if that's him. Screen him in. Excellent. All right. Non-compliant Mary being non-compliant as always, just like we like her. Okay. Uh, we got Glenn Keeling up, and we got George Martirano sitting in the wings, and we're running out of time, and it's just the way it's supposed to be. Glenn Keeling is a warrior. He is a, a defendant in Ohio. He's a board member of the Human Solution International. He's a chapter coordinator, him and his wife, Peggy. Um, and um, he's been coming up with some pretty good ideas lately. I like to hear him. So tell me what's going on. Oh, good. Tom Corby is alive. Good job. Go ahead, Glenn. Tell us what's going on in Ohio. Hey, Joe. Thank you for having me on. Um, well, there's not a whole lot. We, You know, you got the uh, election coming up. Uh, I just want to remind everybody, look at your candidates. Know who you're voting for. Um, I do want to say, look at issue one here in Ohio. Anybody in Ohio listening, check uh, issue one out. Um, other than that, man, you got to people's got to education is the big thing. We 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 preach that our board meetings. We talk about that in the conference calls, and we say that every single week. <clears throat> you know, uh, look, legalization is not working. Um, legalization brings a whole host of uh, uh, things that come along. Uh, more prison time, more fines. Uh, we have a guy here in Ohio, Chad Thompson, who, who is working on um, sensible decrimination um, in, in cities and in counties. Uh, that's what we need to work towards, decriminalization instead of legalization. Um, a good idea that we've had here is, is Pete's doing the, the um, little bits for us, putting all of our uh, little segments together and making a commercial for us. You know, I think that's something that, you know, we got to keep in mind that, you know, we've got to understand why we are and how we are part of the solution. You know, and that's a big thing. Um, you, people have got to reach out and connect with one another because that is absolutely the only way that we're going to get through this and be able to have cannabis 
like Larry was saying earlier, just like onions, man. I mean, it's a plant that you can throw a seed in the ground and, and, man, it'll grow. And it'll do exactly what you want it to do. And it heals so many people. I've seen it. I've watched my wife who suffers with MS, man, be able to eliminate a lot of pharmaceuticals and use cannabis to be able to walk. Um, We are going through a case now here in Ohio. My wife and I are facing some pretty stiff time because we assumed the legalization was safe for us. Um, We quickly found out that it's not. Uh, Again, you guys got to do some research and and know the laws and, and education. I couldn't agree more. And as you know, we stand by you. And as things move forward, just, you know, keeping people in the loop and, uh, you know, showing people what they can do to help. Um, If you're in Ohio, folks, there's a a couple of cases going on out there. Um, You know, please, all you got to do is show up. It's an easy way to help. Just be there. Raise your hand and say, I'm with this guy. I support him. I am willing to come into court and, 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 and proudly wear a ribbon that says, I'm in this. I'm in this. I believe in it, and it's right. So it makes right. a difference. Right, absolutely. Uh, I, I, we've got to support each other um, in cases, in life, period. I mean, we're all human beings. We're part of the same race, you know, humans. Um, and it's it's real simple. You, you pick up the paper, look at the news. You find a case that's going around, man, write a letter, show up in court for support. We have uh, our next uh, attorney conference is coming up on November 2nd. Um, and I say that again, yet another attorney conference. Um, and we'll see what happens. Uh, easy to support people, man. It, it just takes just a sense to drive a car to the courthouse to make an appearance for support and stand there. And like Joe said, hey, I'm here with this guy. I'm here to support what's going on. Absolutely. And it all makes a difference. And, again, just raising your hand saying, I'm a part of the solution. That's all we're looking for to start. And then we're looking for those that are willing to dig in and, and, and be a part of the team. So, well, thank you so much, Glenn. We're down to two minutes, and we're going to – we're going to do the, the crash course to the end, and always, always a pleasure. Somebody in Ohio wants to get a hold of you and participate. How do they do it? Hey, it's real simple. It's Creative Care Beacon, Ohio Chapter of the Human Solution. It's on the Facebook. Find me, Gwen Keeling or Peggy Sue Kimmel, or just simply give me a call, 419-863-0498. Beautiful. Thank you so much. 0498 863 Good job. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, up next we have George Martirano, um, longtime friend of the show, longtime personal friend of mine. He's a warrior. He's an inspirer. He, he's out there doing all the things that we talk about. His, his words are gold because it comes from the heart, it comes from experience, and he's got a purpose to make the world better, to, to help empower each and every one of us, and to heal the people that need healing. And here he is, George.
George Martirano. Welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, my West Coast friends. How are you? Uh, I'm over here busy, you know. I'm trying to get the Hip Hip Cafe open up. First ever in Philly. And, uh, uh, but I'm, I want to talk about my me or the Hip Hip Cafe. I want to talk about what's, you know, what's going on in America. Uh, you know, when you're poor and, uh, and you have a sick child, and this child has, has cancer, and uh, you're on the state assistance or uh, whatever insurance that you have in the hospital, you know, we'll address it. You know that, uh, you know there's actually an underground, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you know there's an underground railroad, 2018, where the mother and, uh, and the husband with the child has to flee. Because there's states like Florida, uh, incidentally, Florida, I think, uh, also, I believe, Florida, Maryland, that if you don't take your child to have this uh, under your under your assist insurance, you know, it's the state-funded insurance, if you don't take your child to be administrated uh, for the cancer treatment, that's chemo and radiation, which a lot of parents believe that's going to kill them. You can have the child taken away. Your actual child can be placed in foster care because you're not you're not taking care of the laws of that state concerning the, the the cancer treatment. So the parents have to flee. They have to take the child and flee. You imagine that? They have to flee to the underground railroad. And uh, I, I I I participated in helping. Just so have to have have. Uh, a married couple with a sick child, and uh, they—they—these are people that have homes. These are people that have uh, jobs, but not to have the. They don't believe. They believe the, the cancer treatment will kill the child, and they want to administrate through THC and CBDs, which they have a right. And they—and they see that the CBD and THC treatment is helping the child, but the state can actually. The, the medical, the medical, the medical society can turn you over for to take your child away. That's going on today. That's crazy. It's 2018, and uh, I, I want to address so so many things, so many things. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping from because I have all the media ready to come to the hip hemp cafe that I'm opening. And it's not not always going to be about me and the hip hemp cafe. It's going to be about the story I just told. There's this this craziness in this country that because you don't want your child to die from this chemo and radiation, you know the child can't survive it, and you want to help your child through the unadministering the CBD and THC regimen, that you can lose your child. Now, I don't know all the particulars, but I'm sure Joe Joe heard. I think we we went over this, Joe. Didn't we go over this last oh, year with a couple of brothers? A number of cases um, in different states, in Kansas, in Colorado, in California, um, and and like you said, uh, there's people that have actually fled uh, because the the Child Protective Services was going to take their child because they refused a, uh, an invasive toxic treatment that, you know, you think about this and you think that the state would have a right to put a poison in your child, which is what radiation and chemo is, 
and you don't have a say about it, I don't know, folks. I think maybe it's time to maybe raise your hand and say that's not cool anymore. Maybe it's time to make some change. Well, like I said, but 2018, now we have an underground, we still have an underground railroad that parents would have to take the child to flee. They would have to have have assistance along the way because when they flee, that means the the medical medical community in that state has already turned you over to the, the, the authorities to take the child. And you have to flee today's time. I mean, it's, you know, when 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 does it stop? When 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 do we get sensible? I mean, you know the parents love the child. There's no cult that they don't want to ministrate to the child to get healthy, but they see the CBDs and the THCs are helping the child, helping the child. The child's eating, she's sleeping, and she's not suffering. But they still want to take the child and put her through this uh, this chemo and this radiation that a lot of them cannot survive. So there's so much I, I want to address, and you know, I wish I wish I was, you know, rich and famous, you know, because in this country, that's, you know, when you're rich, when you're rich and famous, and do some scumbag crime, you seem it takes forever, forever for the punishment to set in, forever, you know, and, that, and that's, that's what America is about, you know, the, the people that have and have not. So hopefully with human solutions and radio shows like this, you know, we can make the difference. And, you know, and, and don't think that we're not. You just got to pay attention. Keep going. Keep going. Please Keep on going. That's I haven't lost faith when I was incarcerated, but organizations like Human Solution helped me. So you just keep going. Please keep going, everyone. Absolutely. You know? Well, George, always a pleasure, and uh, that was interesting that you brought that point out because that's been our message of the day, um, you know, the power of, of keeping on, keeping on. Okay. All right. I'll talk to you later. Say hello to everybody. Excellent. Toronto, folks. All right. All right. We're running a little over time. Tom Corby showed up. He's calling from the hospital. Uh, Tom, I, I had to send a search party out for you. I, um, I, I I left you a message yesterday, didn't hear back, so I got a little concerned. So I'm glad that the the message got to you. And uh, how are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm back in the hospital in Oroville, Joe. And I've got a herniated uh, protruding disc through my in my right right hip, uh, I've had MRIs and, and CAT scan, and they don't know if it's enough to operate. I'm kind of in a paradoxical paradoxical dilemma here. Uh, it's a tough one to go. And uh, Frank Cadans here helping me. Thank God, help me. I do. Hey, Frank. Did you guys get that package we sent? Yes, sir. Good. Thank you. Of course. Right. Of course. Okay. Well, okay. I want to thank everybody sending me uh, healing thoughts and everybody at the radio show today. And I don't want you to go to jail for a plant. <clears throat> and don't forget to breathe. 
yes, like Glenn Keating said, we finally realized that legalization is just more laws and regulations. It's good. We must have prohibition, bottom line, and descheduled cannabis. Get all appeals, W's out of jail. Uh, okay, thank you all today, and uh, I'm ready to listen to Willie. And the uh, Coffee Party Radio uh, Show. Coffee Party Radio Show. Remember to thank the I'm Coffee Party Radio Show. And I'm glad you're still <laughs> on this side of the earth. That's what I wanted to hear. All right, folks, Tom Corby, a lion of a man. Let's put our thoughts and energies and getting him healed up and out of there and uh, do it any way you know how. Well, folks, I appreciate you all being here, and um, we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant. You were always on my mind. You were always on my mind. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.